From the Jennifer and Ted Stanley Studios in Boston, this is Living on Earth. I'm Steve Kerwood. For the last 18 years, the United Nations Climate Secretariat has brought together just about all the nations for annual talks. But so far, a rigorous deal for mandatory caps on global warming gases has stayed out of reach. There was Kyoto in 1997, where the U.S. signed but later refused to ratify. There was Copenhagen in 2009. That blew up when the world's two biggest emitters, the United States and China, collided amid hardball politics. Yet the process continues with weak agreements keeping it alive. This year, the talks are in Doha, Qatar, where we turn to Alden Meyer, the Union of Concerned Scientists, for an update. Well, this is kind of a transitional meeting. It's closing down uh, two sets of negotiations that have been going on over the last uh, seven years or so. One about extending the Kyoto Protocol, giving it eight more years of life, and the other trying to engage the United States, developing countries and others that aren't included in Kyoto in ramping up uh, their level of ambition and action on climate change in a voluntary way outside of a legally binding framework. This meeting in itself in Doha is not going to lead to uh, much in the way of additional emission reductions the atmosphere sees. It's really more of a process. So what does Doha mean for the Kyoto Protocol? The initial commitments under the Kyoto Protocol are due to end at the end of this month, the end of 2012. And since 2005, they've been negotiating about what would uh, replace those or extend those. And the betting here is that you will get the European Union, Australia, Norway, Switzerland, a few other countries agreeing to stay in Kyoto. But you've already seen Japan, Russia, uh, New Zealand, and Canada say that they will not take on commitments under Kyoto. So the share of emissions, global emissions, covered by Kyoto continues to shrink. So obviously, by itself, it's not going to do the job. Now, the United States, indeed the world, is part of a voluntary deal cut in Copenhagen to reduce emissions. What's been done about the voluntary side of things at the Doha meeting? Well, a couple of things there. There have been a few additional countries that have come in and and made pledges. Uh, The Dominican Republic, for example, just announced that they would seek to uh, cut their emissions uh, about 25%. The irony, of course, is that the host country, Qatar, which is one of the richest and highest emitting per capita countries in the world, has not made any pledge to cut its own emissions. What has happened in in, uh, Doha in terms of getting legally binding limits on greenhouse gases going forward? That part of the negotiations actually is going pretty well in terms of laying out the plan of work for next year for what's called the Durban Platform Track. The part that's not going well is finance. You'll remember that in Copenhagen, President Obama and Hillary Clinton came in and and promised to try to ratchet up collective support from developed countries on climate finance for activities like uh, deploying renewable energy and energy efficiency technologies in developing countries, conserving rainforests, and adapting to the mounting impacts of climate change. They committed to try to ramp up that support from the roughly $10 billion a year that it's been at from all the industrialized countries over the last three years towards $100 billion a year by 2020. And the big question here is, uh, will the United States, Japan, Europe, uh, and the other industrialized countries keep their promise? Of course, the world is in the middle of an economic crisis. Alden Meyer, what are the odds of the industrialized countries keeping this commitment to come up with all this cash to less developed countries to help fight climate change? Well, it's obviously a tough fiscal environment in Japan, Europe, and the U.S. But on the other hand, just think that Superstorm Sandy 
cost New Jersey, Connecticut, and, and New York an estimated $80 billion for one storm alone, and that cost is rising. So you have to put this in perspective of the impacts we're seeing. There was a very emotional intervention by the Philippines delegation talking about the impact of a typhoon that's currently devastating the Philippines and, and what that's doing, and, and it got a very... Uh, emotional, uh, sustained ovation from everyone. So I think people are putting this in perspective and saying that, yes, uh, there will be some cost of helping developing countries take more action, but the cost of inaction is far greater. And it's also not gone unnoticed that when the world banking system was on the verge of collapse in 2008, leaders and finance ministers from around the world mobilized $1 trillion seemingly overnight to bail out the banks, and yet we're having such a hard time going above $10 billion a year to bail out the world's ecosystems and and human communities. So in the wake of extreme events like the typhoon in the Philippines and Superstorm Sandy uh, in the greater New York area, what sense, if any, is there of renewed urgency in Doha to, to take more immediate action? Well, there's clearly continuing urgency among the countries on the front line, the the least developed countries, the small island states, some of the coastal countries like Bangladesh. I mean, they're they're getting increasingly desperate in their pleas for help on this front. There doesn't seem to be tremendous urgency among the major emitting countries, whether it's the U.S., uh, Japan, China. I think the reality is until those countries and political leaders start feeling some political heat from their own constituencies back home, that's not likely to change. Alden, before you go, observers of this process uh, see it moving so slowly they question whether it serves any function uh, anymore. How do you respond to folks who feel that what's going on at the U.N. climate negotiations isn't amounting to all that much? Well, I mean, it's not amounting to what we need, but it's clearly doing more than we would have seen on a business-as-usual basis. So it is making a difference. It's just not making enough of a difference fast enough. But the reality is there's no other game in town. You sort of have to negotiate and and try to work your way through this with the international system you have, not the one you wish you had. Alden Meyer is Director of Policy and Strategy at the Union of Concerned Scientists. Thank you so much. Thanks, Steve. Great to be with you.